What's up, everybody? How you doing? Welcome to an episode here of the podcast version of Palangi Studio of Rock, only on Radio Wigwam. If you want to hear the live versions, make sure you tune in every Tuesday night, 9 p.m. Eastern Time, 8 UK. Today we have rock guitarist here of Bonds of Mera and formerly of My Darkest Days, Mr. Sal Costa. What's up, everybody? What's going on here? Another episode of Palangi Studio of Rock, only here on Radio Wigwam, Tuesday nights, 9 p.m. Eastern Time and 8 o'clock UK time. We're coming from all different parts of the country and the world right now. And um, today we got a special interview. We got Sal Costa in the building. You might maybe remember him from a band called My Darkest Days and Bonds of Mora. Did I say that right? Bonds of Mora, yeah, that's pretty damn close. Okay, cool. <laughs> I'm a little Italian, so sometimes I have that accent. <laughs> I am too. I get it. There you go. So where are you at right now, Sal? So right now I'm in the Bel Air area of Florida. I'm kind of living by the beach right now. And uh, that's that's where I'm at. Yeah, so I'm having a lot of fun out here right now. Everybody out there, Sal's been playing guitar for a lot of years. We've been trying to get this interview a couple of years. You know, COVID <laughs> hit and everyone kind of retreated in their in their own spaces and stuff. And then um, I actually met you, I was saying, in 2011 in a club, yeah. uh, My Darkest Days. And uh, I was going to Nashville to record something. And I was like, dude, he goes, I'm like, I got to get you on a song for, for uh, lead guitar or something like that. But that's when you guys, ex- literally, I think like two weeks later is when you guys exploded. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was the trajectory on that whole project was just crazy. Yeah. Yeah, and it was only a couple of years, like 2009 to 13 or something like that. And, yeah, um, that's right. Yeah, it was. It wasn't very. Uh, it was very short. That project was very short lived, but it was very impactful, which is crazy. It's like it's like even now, like like you know, it's just funny because like it doesn't matter if like I go to like a gym or like you know a place for jujitsu, wherever. There's always somebody who knows my darkest days, and I'm like, man, that's so crazy, and. You know, they'll be like, oh, yeah, like, like, I listen to you all the time. Like, look at my Spotify. And then I look on Spotify and I'm like, the band is still getting like almost 2 million listens a month on Spotify alone. I'm like, that is wild. It's you know? crazy. It's crazy. And, and yeah, it's just weird. It's like every time I get like royalty checks for my darkest days, it's just like, it's, it's strange because like we've been disbanded for almost a decade. I, I shouldn't even say really disbanded because we just, we never officially broke up. But yeah, we haven't played together in almost a decade. Is it because of the three days grace they needed a spot because he was his cousin? You know what I mean? He just kind of shifted over there. I actually left right before that happened. Oh, Not, okay. And that was actually before that even happened. I, I just, I needed a change and I left the band. And then shortly after that, the band was going to start writing their third record. I left, I left just before we started writing our third record. And then I remember talking to the guys like, yeah, we're just going to start writing this third record. And then I think that was also the catalyst where Matt ended up going to three days grace just after there. So then we, there was two members left that band. And then it was kind of like, what are you going to do when there's half the band's gone? So, right. Yeah. Yeah. Do you get a, a new singer, but then that, you know, pisses off people too. And yeah. what, you know, uh, Reed is the other guitar player, right? Yeah. Reed was, was our kind of like, we call him like the auxiliary guy. Like he did, some okay. keys, some guitar. Um, yeah. And a little, uh, yeah, everything. a little bit of everything. He was like a guy like, Hey, Reed, can you play a little bit of keys? And even if he had no idea how to do it, 
what I loved about Reed is like, like when Reed started the band, he was our, like, he joined the band strictly as a keyboard player. I don't think he played any rhythm guitar or anything for us for the first year. And, but the best part is he didn't play keyboards. He, we just <laughs> loved them. And it was like, nice. I remember we held these auditions, uh, keyboard auditions. And it was hilarious. So like all these people came out who were like qualified players, but none of them, like you had to be able to hang with us. And we were not the easiest group at that time to hang with. Yeah. Um, we were pretty crazy at that time. So we just felt like there was no one that was, we'd ever be able to see ourselves tour with. And then Reed at the time was actually working for us as a tech. And, and we would just always hear him practicing our songs. Like he knew our songs almost better than we did at one point. He just would always wow. be playing them. And then it, I, we, I remember like the, 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 the auditions were getting so brutal that we were just like, oh man, this is so boring. Like, this is not gold. We're not finding the right guy. So we started getting Reed to audition people before the audition with the band. And, and then we were just like, fuck, why don't we just ask Reed? And, 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 and he's like, I don't really play keyboards, but we're like, but you have the type of personality where he was like us. He was one of us where it's just like, you're going to figure it out and you're going to become great at it. And lo and behold, he went from not playing any keyboards at all to like a couple of weeks later being on tour with us. And he just fucking woodshedded all the parts and became a keyboard player. And it was awesome to see. (laughs) Nice to be like, we already know him, you know, he's already touring with us anyway. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It was, it was great. That's cool. And uh, Chad Kroger, they said, according to uh, Wikipedia found you guys. Is that true? Yes. So Chad, uh, Three Days Grace and Nickelback were on tour together. Um, and Three Days Grace had passed on our demo over to Chad. Chad heard it, oh. loved it. And that was at the time where he was signing bands and, and getting bands discovered and you know, all that kind of stuff. So he had just discovered Theory of a Dead Man, uh, Mariana's Trench. And he had his fingers in like 100 pots. And like, we just, it was timing. It was like the right music for the right guy. And Chad yeah. literally took the band to every single major label and we showcased and there was a bidding war for the band. And we got truly <laughs> one of the last big traditional record deals, which yeah. is you know, now it's I'm like, wow, we actually got a real record deal, like a record deal. Uh, now it's like a lot of singles deals and the deals are very crap. And we actually got something substantial and big for that time. So it was, we owe a lot to him for, for that. To me, you guys with sick puppies were kind of like the last of, I don't know, the modern rock kind of stuff, the new guys hitting the scene. It was, it really was. And we felt it because I remember our very first tour with Hinder, they were saying, man, like you guys just like snaked in there at the last second of whatever it is that we do. Yeah. And we're so right because, you know, within a year, like no one was getting those types of record deals anymore. And we just saw like anytime there'd be a new band, that would get signed. Like their budgets were so tiny to make records, so tiny to tour. And and you just made you realize we were so grateful because what people don't understand is like, you need that, that those substantial budgets to be able to do things at a big level. Like yeah, a lot of people are like, man, I just want, you know, Nickelback or Motley Crue to call me and go on tour with them. I'm like, yeah, but could you afford to go on tour with those guys? Like it's expensive to be able to tour the country because what people yes. don't understand, yeah. When you get on a huge tour like that, you can't fuck up. Like you have to have a crew because they won't let you come on tour without a crew because things are run so tight. Like you're talking about playing arenas every night. 
So yeah. they, they need to know that they, the headliners need to know that they can trust not only you, but your crew. They're going to show up on time, set up the gear right. And on time that everyone needs to be seasoned. So it's just like, yes, yeah, so you have to be able to afford a bus. You have to be able to, uh, at that point, a point, be able to afford crew members. Yeah, It's yep. not that easy. Technicians. To be like, Technicians. I'm just going to show up on tour with Molly crew. So it, it, we, the, it, it's just, I feel so blessed now looking back that like, we were in that position that like a huge band called us and like we were able to do it. Yeah. Yeah. And a band people, I don't know if people out there realize, I mean, you guys out there, you always see those buses and there's like 10 of them parked behind a stadium or something. It takes a lot of gear and um, the amount of effort and breakdown. And it's like you said, it's a, it's a fine oiled machine. Yes. You, know, you you have to hit if they say, you know, you got to stop in 10 minutes. You don't have 10 minutes and 30 seconds. You have 10 minutes. Yeah. Because they, 10, they start 000, the intro music and then you go on. <laughs> yeah. There's 10,000 people waiting for a show and like you cannot mess up. So, yep, yep. yeah. So, yeah. So it's, you know, as a new band, it's a learning curve as well. You know, we got our asses kicked a few times by, you know, bigger were, bands. Were you guys playing out a lot before then? Or were you type of band where you, you played and you made a, a demo and then things started to really no so that's that was the beauty of my darkest days it was like before the band got signed and became successful and big we were doing big things independently and there was and 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 there was big artists that knew who we were at an independent level and we were selling out venues on our own and that and that was like you know a special thing as well because like we could go to uh, a club and we could put like you know, five, six, 700 people into a venue as an independent band and have people there singing our music. And then you look out into the crowd and you're like, Oh, there's that guy from that band watching us. And we, and we were just <laughs> independent band. And, and we, uh, another thing people don't really know either. That's super cool. Is that we actually blew up on MySpace. Like we were one of those bands on MySpace. Oh, that had okay. Millions and tens of millions of views on our demos. I might so, have remembered that because I was on MySpace. I followed yeah. a few bands. Maybe that's how I found you originally. I'm not sure, but and that, that was, was so the end. so 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 long before we quote unquote made it. But it was funny because we would be on tour sometimes. Someone be like, "I discovered you guys on MySpace years ago," and I'm like, "Man, that is so freaking cool!" Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Who would know, yeah. right? Now it's right. MySpace is like nothing anymore. Nothing. Crap. <laughs> Now you guys, you you did. I think yourself, you did a uh, like remastered or greatest hits. Uh, My yep. darkest days on a, on a CD or vinyl set. I yes, see. yeah. So that just came out, which was super exciting because, like I said, we you know pretty much the only way we're in touch right now is really like royalty business. It's just like you know making sure everyone's getting paid and all that kind of stuff from our our royalty. So aside from that, we haven't really release anything and then the record yeah. label you know like i said like there's been this surge of my darkest days and like online like it, the, the, we're just getting so many views which is it's, it's really from all the tiktok uh you can use the music in the, the stories and your videos yeah. and yeah and, cover and songs just, yes and it's like i i get fan mail all the time from like new like fans that are young i'm like man this is really cool so anyway so the, obviously the labels have a pulse on all that stuff and you know, they wanted to put out something kind of new. So what they did is they re-released our very first debut album, Strictly on Vinyl. Oh, um, uh, okay. So that came out and that was uh, super cool. To that have has two extra songs, right? You said two unreleased songs? 
Yeah, it does. Yeah. I think it's, um, I don't even remember now too. I should go check the vinyl. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, check that out out there. I don't, I, I still buy CDs. So unfortunately yeah. I can't, I can't do the vinyl stuff. I get it, but, man. Um, I get but how lucky were you? Like not only Chad found you guys, but he actually sang on the, on your debut, I, I would say hit song, you know, from the first record that oh, man. Zach wild too. He's, he's credited on that song. Yeah. I don't know if you heard the ludicrous version. Um, I, I have once. Yeah. I, I discovered a while ago. I was like, that's exists. <laughs> so that, that was so man, like I, I'll tell you a cool story. So like I said, we're independent and at the time and we just signed this record deal albums in the bag, porn star dancing, uh, is on the record. And then, you know, it's the album's not pressed yet, but the album's done. And yeah. Chad gives us a call one day. He's just like, you know, ludicrous wants to rap on the song. And, and this is already, we knew Zach was going to play on it. So we're like, man, like Chad's going to, and then Chad's like, and I want to sing on it too. So we're like, holy crap. So Zach is going to be on this. Zach Wilde, we're going to have Chad on it. And now Ludacris wants to rap on it. Yeah. So I'll never forget this. This was an amazing moment. We played a little show in Barrie, Ontario. It was this dingy little club. And I remember as we're pulling in to play, um, we're waiting for sound check. And, you know, like I said, we're independently successful at this point. We had signed our record deal, but the world didn't know who we were. Yeah. Well, very beginning. Very beginning. And we're sitting in this, uh, this dingy little club. And I remember somebody's, I don't know, laptop goes off and it's like, holy fuck. I just got the cut of Ludacris rapping on our song. So I remember <laughs> we plugged it into the venue and we all listened to it for the first time through this venue and all the stuff, like no one knew what the fuck was going on, but us. And I knew, we knew in that moment that we were going to be big. We just knew it. We were like, no, this is just, it's a hit song with, you know, and you have to think at the time also Ludacris was also like in Fast and Furious. So he was now not only, yeah, he was he a was acting. Fronts, he was acting. Yeah. So people knew him on a so That's kind of how I knew him more. Right. There you go. So, um, so we knew we had something big and then lo and behold, a couple of months later, it just took off. That's awesome. Yeah. I like the song Every Lie when I was listening to it again today. Yeah, yeah. It's great songs. The whole both albums, as specifically the first record. The second record was a great record too, but our first album, it it had true, true, legitimate hit songs. And it, it's, it was great to be a part yeah. of. Yeah. Well, there was something I was gonna say. I I heard now listening now, I heard Three Days Grace within your guys' first record now it's and it's funny though but i i like um matt's vocals better on your stuff because they're not as layered all those technical yes. people out there yeah he, uh, he didn't layer them as much and I, I do like that that sound more but what kind of sets you guys apart at the time even though like you said like you were the last of getting signed you weren't like the hinders the three doors down the saving ables the music was um a little more techy and a little more upbeat and it had the I don't know if, if it's uh, you and the other guitarists and stuff like battling over melodies when you're writing yeah, and yeah. stuff, but yeah, well, you know what the, the beauty of, I think my darkest days in general was that like, we always, uh, we always kind of just did what we wanted and, yeah. and you know, like there reached a point where, you know, you reach a point where every artist in the early days is desperate in a, in a way because like, especially when you have an opportunity because you're like, I, I can't fuck this up. Like this is a one in a million opportunity and I can't mess it up. But then I think there was a period where I think we all knew 
our, our, our worth and what we, and we knew we were great. And I don't mean that in a cocky way because I feel like a lot of us, uh, uh, when we separate from each other, we weren't as good ever as we were together, but it was like that recipe of uh, Mm -hmm. greatness coming together. And it's funny because like, you could replace different people in that band, even people that like were more maybe quiet and shy and and it would have just changed everything. And I think, um, I think that was, that was a, that was what made us realize that like, you know what, we have to understand that we're actually good. And if we just do what we do, people are going to like it because that's what got us here in the first place. And, and we, we, we would see on tour other bands, like, you know, like, I remember one of our very first tours ever. We were uh, big tours. We were opening up first of four for Sick Puppies. And we were the, the baby band and on that tour. But I remember other bands that were bigger than us at the time coming up to us and asking us for advice. And I, and I remember thinking like, geez, like, that's really cool. They could, hey, how do you guys do your harmonies like that? <laughs> you know, how do you guys do that? And, and, and I will say that nobody in, in, in any of my musical experiences, and, and I've had a lot and with pro- high-level professional artists, I've never, ever in my life met a group of guys that were that willing to be great ever. And that was, that was what made my yeah. Darkest Days special is that we practiced eight hours a day for years. Played all before- the time. Played during tour, before tour, before anyone knew who we were, while people knew who we were, we were always rehearsing. And uh, I mean, there was a period there where I lived three hours away from the band and I, and I traveled there every single day. I drove six hours every day to just rehearse for eight hours. It was crazy. But, but my, my, even like at the time, my girlfriend and people were like, are you, fucking crazy like you guys are successful right why do you guys have to practice that much i was like it was it wasn't even a question i was like well how do you become great that's the only way to yeah. become great yeah and so uh we had that and 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 i i've never i've never found that again to be honest with you uh in terms of just guys that were that willing to be great yeah yeah because you have to keep practicing the songs and you have to keep the momentum it's yeah. like you could you could take time off but then sometimes you kind of lose it or and dude, you know, would, you know something is coming, so you're like, we have to be ready, dude. We would loop a chorus of a song for hours to the point where, like, y- you would become delirious. Yeah, from, I- I'm talking like hours. Like, we would just not stop. So you say, let's just play. Let's play this song, this chorus, the and then you same, play it. same sixteen bars and on repeat on loop. To the point, the idea was to do, be able to do it flawlessly and be able to do anything you want. I could like have a conversation, like a and muscle then memory. Into, yeah, yeah, and, that, and that's that's what we, you know, what we did. Yeah, I remember too. You want you on stage, like you playing the part so effortlessly, where it's like, like you said, you could have been drinking coffee and your hands still going. <laughs> yeah, you just that's it just, and it's it's not even about being like the greatest guitar player. It's just like literally just putting in the, the hours, you know, to, yeah. to do it. Yeah, well, it takes other things away too, of like venue problems and something's you know people don't realize behind the scenes that stuff goes on between whatever's going on in that day, and sometimes you're you have more energy or more willingness to be like, yeah, it's it's uh, let's go out there, and we always want to do a good job, but depends yeah. on where your mind's at, and if you can play it 
easily whether you're let's say deathly sick to extre- you know extremely um pissed off and it's the yeah. same performance that's that's when you got it <laughs> our, our our motto was always like like we need to be able to be a 15 out of 10 so that oh, if okay. shit hits the fan we're still a 10 out of 10 and we're yep. still as flawless as can be and it happens like there's many times on tour we're like playing a huge venue and then there's crazy technical issues and you know we would see bands just like walk off the stage in like a tiff and like upset and angry and i'm not playing and we were always the band that like no matter what you threw at us we could do it you know and that's yeah it was fun how is that different moving to your second band and you you were on the top 40 uh canadian charts too everybody so it's like yeah you've you've hit it all (laughs) <laughs> yeah so i was so right after my darkest days i had actually a solo career called smashing satellites and mm. with that i had a, ta- a song in the top 40 on my own as a solo artist and that's awesome and, and then i had a, i had two songs in the top 40 or top 30 in canada with that project um and then you know but again like i was never able to find you know that chemistry again you know, and, yeah. and that's, yeah. and, and, and it what's made it more special. And then bonds of Mara, uh, the project I started recently, uh, just before COVID, um, that, that project was a lot of fun and it was just a bunch of like, you know, seasoned known musicians, um, both Canadian and American. Um, and, and like it was a mini, like mini super group. Yeah. Yeah. It actually started off funny enough. I never really told many people this, but it really like the original person who played on the demos. It was, I started, the, I started the idea on my own. And I think the first person I called was Dave Benedict. No, first person I talked to actually about the project was, um, they were never big in Canada, America, but they were very big in Canada, a, a band called I mother earth. Okay. And I, I'm trying to think of the level that they would be at in America. They were like, um, Oh my God, let me try and think. I, I guess you could say they were like our, three doors down or our chili. Uh, our, our, oh, they were like our red hot chili peppers. Oh, wow. okay. Okay. Wow. Yeah. So yeah. They were an arena band, a uh, Canadian arena band, big band, a multi platinum selling artist, but they never crossed the border. They never made it in America. So it was the singer of that band who I was very good friends with. And we started it and then called Dave Bendix, uh, from default to play bass. Who's a dear friend of mine. I love Dave to death. And, and then we didn't have a drummer for a minute. So I actually, funny enough, I reached out to Jack Irons um, from the Red Hot Chili Peppers, Pearl Jam, original drummer. And yep. Jack Irons, was sent. I sent him the stuff. We had a call one night, ran me through the history of the Chili Peppers, which was so cool to hear that from <laughs> just the family member. Back. Uh-huh. Yeah, keep going. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I, was, I was actually in the bathtub and I was just like, this is the fucking coolest thing ever. Jack's telling me about the history of being in the Chili Peppers and being yeah. in Pearl Jam. And so anyway, so then Jack actually played on the original demos and and uh, of that project. And I really tried to get Jack to be a part of the band, but Jack said, I still want to tour. Um, so I was oh, like, that's okay. cool. So then Rich from Finger 11, he came over and then he, we, he was applying for citizenship in America. So he wasn't able to play with us in Canada. So then we ended up getting a friend to fill in for him. Okay. And uh, so, yeah, uh, it was cool because our very first song we released completely independently and then went top 15 in Canada, um, which was which was really, really cool. And it was just a song that like I had this this riff um, and we 
kind of just got into a room and jammed it out and there it was. Wow. Yeah. The things that come easier are always the better things you want to go with. Things that maybe are like, you know, you ever worked on a song where it just takes like five months later? It's it's a decent song, but you're like, it's still, it's just too much work or it's still not right. It, those it's are... not, yeah. I had a song like that on the Satellites, Smashing Satellites record and we worked a month straight every single day in like a, in like a big studio with, you know, wasting a lot of budget on this one song yeah. that I thought was going to be a masterpiece. And in the end, it was a masterpiece to me, but nobody else, you know what I mean? <laughs> ended up being one of those songs, right? Where I listened to it. I'm like, that's exactly the way I wanted to fucking be, but it wasn't commercial. And, uh, but yeah, it was interesting, you know, so I, and then the, then the stuff you put a little effort to just if people like, I'm like, damn, that's crazy. Yeah. I don't know if it's because we view it more simplistic. I know things that I put in where I'm like, like you said, I want this to be like, say the next single off. It doesn't work that way. It's no. you have to view it as this is just your next song. And then when you're done with things, like what is, what is that single or what is, what, what am I doing? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. A hundred percent. And yeah. and then you just trust in the process and, you know, I, I realize this now with like anything, like even other my other business ventures and whatever, and what my other artistic ventures, it's like, if it's meant to be great, it will find its way. And, yeah. and, it, yeah. and it just does. And it might not be on your timeline, but it will find its, its place in, in its rightful time. And those songs are super, to me, they're super rare too. Of you think of, you know, all the great bands and stuff like that, like, the uh, I'm like say Metallica. Metallica's got tons of them, but you could boil it down to like, what if they didn't write those top ten songs? You know, it's like yeah. it, it, it's crazy to think, you know. But then, like, even on your guys's record, like, I like all the other songs besides the single. To be honest, dude, you know what? I'll oh. tell you this: Born Star Dancing was the greatest. Um, it's, the greatest simple. it's really simple, you know, it, it, it was, but I, I'll, I'll say it was the greatest thing and worst thing that happened to us <laughs> okay. because it was great because like, it was like, we hit success and we wrote it for years. And till this day, we still do. We still get royalty checks for this music from that record, you know, but yeah. I told everybody, I, I go, I'm interviewing salad and they go, who's Sal? I go from my darkest days. Oh yeah. They're, they're on my gym playlist. Yeah. 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 Like, I would show up to CrossFit sometimes and it's just like playing and I'm like looking around I'm like, all right, cool. You know, does anyone know, you know that I was in that band and sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. But, um, but yeah, I, but the record label had a way bigger vision for us. You have to understand too, like a lot of rock bands at that time were getting signed to rock labels. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Rock labels, their reach is rock. Now we got signed to Def Jam. And Def Jam at the time had yeah. Justin Bieber, Rihanna, uh, Ludacris. They had all the big pop stars. We were the we were the really the only true rock band. I think us and Bon Jovi were the only quote unquote bands on the label. Everyone else was huge pop stars. Yeah, and who signed us was David Massey, who signed Oasis. And I don't know if you know who L.A. Reid is, but L.A. Reid. Yep. is Babyface, LaFace Records. He also is, uh, you know, most people know him as a judge on X Factor, uh, right? I think it was X Factor. Yes. Um, at one point, L.A. Reid. And um, anyway, so their vision for us was to be pop stars eventually. 
they, mm. they, they, they heard like songs. I like can't forget you uh, like nobody else without yeah. you. And they saw like this big commercial Maroon five type band. Yeah. That's what a, a different Maroon five, like obviously they're different stylistically, but yeah. that was going to be the trajectory of the band. They're going to be pop stars. But what ended up happening was when porn started dancing, let is our first single. I don't think anybody at the label really anticipated how big that song was going to be for rock music that they were worried after, I believe that if we started releasing our popular stuff to pop music, that rock would be like, you know, forget these guys. And then if it didn't work out at pop, then we'd have nothing. Yeah. Right. Yes. So, so, um, uh, we were happy to just be the big, like, you know, big at rock though. Like we loved it. And, and we still get pop radio play because of the ludicrous versions and all of our records had, were, were scattered with like features from people from different genres. So we always got pulled into different genres. And, yeah. You know, it, it's, it's got some techy and poppy melodies and stuff in there. And it's. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, I think at the time I'm pretty damn sure. I think porn star dancing was even like top five alternative. Uh, on, on the alternative charts at that time, alternative which is rock, the alternative rock as well. Yeah. So it was, it charted on multiple different charts as well as mainstream rock, active rock. Yeah. It was uh, alternative rock. And then we got some, some pop radio play as well. Damn. Yeah. It's hard. It's it, I'm sure when it hit you, it's like hard to think about it. It's like, uh, is this real? <laughs> Dude? Yes. I, it is the strangest. Surreal. It is beyond surreal because you have to think like we were from Ontario. Okay. And yeah. 99% of people in Canada won't even get a Canadian record deal. And if you get a Canadian record deal mm. to a big major Canadian record label, you have then a 99% chance of, of, sorry, you, you have like a 1% chance of ever crossing the border and reaching America. Yeah. So, yeah. So here we are, this band from Ontario, um, and we signed this big American record deal, big Canadian deal, big European deal, and we're in our basement because the band <laughs> was at a house that the band yeah. rented. We just rehearsed together all the time. Yeah. And all of a sudden, we're like, "Oh, we got a record. That's that's real. Like this, this just actually happened." But we're still rehearsing. You know, we know the record deal's there. We know it's big. We know all this stuff. They told us everything. We're meeting all these crazy people. And I'll tell you the very first time that it felt real was, like I said, we were rehearsing in the basement, just a bunch of dudes and we got a call from the record label and they're like, Oh yeah. So we're planning for the music video for porn star dancing. It's good. We want to release it, you know, with the song and all that kind of stuff. And we want to have a big impact. And they start telling us like how we're shooting this music video. And, I, and they're talking about helicopters and renting out the top of the hard rock uh, in Vegas. And it's like going to be only ours. And, and it's still, we're like, get off the phone with the record label. Like, is that, is that fucking real? Like, is, yeah. that, is that a real thing? That was when and, they still played music videos on TV too. You yeah. guys were kind of at the tail end of that. and Tail end of that too. Yeah. And you kind of, um, so I didn't know it, but this was kind of before backing tracks because now I was probably like, they probably played with backing tracks because everything that was in your guys' records, but yeah. you, you played it all real. And th you, that's kind of the way it started. When I listened yeah. to it today again, I was like, they kind of started that of every, everybody's knocked you off, actually, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah. That sound. Yeah, 
Yeah, there there was a lot of knockoffs right after uh, us for sure, and like yeah, style was people dressing like us because we had a very unique style for what we the did. Mohawk. Nobody did the mohawk though, like you though. Yeah, well, thanks, but yeah, but you, <laughs> but yeah, though, you you would feel sometimes like new band come on the scene and they're everyone's just trying to catch what's successful, right? Yeah. But yep. but so I remember I remember getting on a plane and going to Vegas with the band and still thinking to myself like just like saying good like you know goodbye to my girlfriend at the time and like i'm like i fuck i don't know like we have a record deal like it still doesn't seem real and then we get to vegas and there's all these record people label people there and we they literally rented the whole top of the hard rock hotel there's helicopters freaking ludicrous flies in on a private jet and (laughs) and and we're just these dudes and i'm like we're just trying to be cool because we're just like we're just these dudes that just signed this deal. And now we're surrounded by all these celebrities. And then all of a sudden, like there's like 70 strippers there. And then we make this video that goes absolutely viral. And then, which is what crazy thing is like, by the time porn star dancing hit radio, and I think that went number one in America, it was like a couple of months. So it, it really truly happened for us so fast that I didn't, I, I sure as shit didn't expect like things happen that quick. Yeah. And, and we literally said goodbye to my friends. I'll see you in, I'll see you in a couple of weeks after this tour and then never came back. <laughs> yeah, four years later, here I am. Yeah. Well, even yeah. gear wise, you know, it's like you said, you coming from the, the basement, the garage and stuff. And you're like, you know, the stuff, you know, people don't realize the stuff that you play with sometimes isn't right for the, the big touring stuff. Yeah. So even that's a shock. It's like, I got to rethink my guitars and my rig and everything. A little bit of the guitars you have behind yeah. you. I noticed you have an acoustic ovation. I'm an ovation yeah. guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What else? So are those all your guitars from like the, I remember I think the flying V you used on stage. The flying, yeah, actually I'll show you here. Hold on a second. I'll bring I'll bring one out. Actually recently I'll tell you this too. This this still, I mean, everybody knows me most for playing this flying V. Um this was the you know, this was this was the, the yes. guitar. Yep. And you know, it's got a lot of uh it's bad been battle. It's got some wear. Everybody yeah. listening to the audio version, he's he's got a flying V guitar. If you don't know what that is, look it up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So uh my collections, I was at 25 guitars uh at one point. And wow. you know, mainly Gibson because I was endorsed by Gibson, so I was getting guitars like crazy at one point. And um, Are they just giving them to you or at yeah, a discount? They're just no, they're just giving them to us. Uh, yeah, I, 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 everyone has a different deal with like you know their thing, but at the time, Gibson they really, really freaking believed in us. And you know, but anytime Damn. they had something come up, I would do it for them. If there was like a big event, they asked me to go and play, and I would play. And I did a lot of stuff for them on, um, so it was yeah. mutual, but I always felt like I got the better end of the deal. Um, you know, yeah. guitars all so, anyways, I. I had 25 guitars up until a couple of years ago. And then I started looking at all these guitars and I was just like, you know what? I, I always go back to the same couple on, doesn't matter what project I'm doing, where or what it's always the same. So I started just, I started literally giving them to people. And as I started thinking, I was like, you know what? I was like, you know, these are, you know, each guitar is like a couple thousand dollars. And I'm like, some people will work their whole life to buy this guitar. And I got it for yeah. free. And if yeah. I can give this to somebody, fucking why not? I don't need 25 guitars. So I started just, if I meet somebody, they're like, oh, you know, like I'm a guitar player. I, 
really trying to save up and be like, hang tight. I got this for you. And then boom, take it. And, you know? Yeah, because some of the nobody like can afford a three thousand dollar guitar. You know what I mean? You're no, generally no. Yeah. And, and like I said, if I have them and I'm not using them to me, that just becomes stealing. And I'm like, yeah, I'm just happy if somebody can, will get some use of them. Cause I'm like, it's been hanging on my wall and I keep using this one a hundred times over. So True. Go yep. yeah. And then yep. that white Stratocaster there too. I use that guitar in the same amount as well. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Some companies are great like that. Some, sometimes I get a lot of discounts with mine, but sometimes they do send you free stuff in, yeah. in exchange yeah. for whatever. And, um, it's nice. Some companies are, they don't really do too much. And you're like, well, why do you have an endorsement or support program? <laughs> yeah. You know, I think, I think, I think that the hard sell nowadays is that, you know, with, when you think of musical instruments, who the hell uses musical instruments anymore? Right. It's mainly, it's mainly rock guys still, but rock isn't at that level right now. Yes. Yep. It's, so it's kind of like, they have to justify giving you like a $4,000 amp when like are they going to get that type of exposure right so mm -hmm. it's a it's it's a tough sell on their end as well right but um but yeah i, I mean i i was i've had a many many great companies i've worked with over the years and and like i said since i was 21 years old i've never bought a piece of musical gear ever since um so to me i'm just like i wow. I, I it's it's gluttonous of myself to to have stuff if I'm not using it, not give it to people. So now funny enough, like my collection is, yeah, I have 15 guitars, but, and now a lot of people say that's a lot, but like, if you knew what my collection was in terms of amplifiers and everything, it's like this big to what it used to be because I, I just, it feels wrong having it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a lot of space, you know, you guys moving from Canada to Florida and back, you know, it's like, yeah, absolutely. I remember, uh, Cause I've been following you for a while that, you know, you had a lot of land and stuff up there. Is, is that yes. kind of the same near where you are now? Or is it more like city? No. So what we did was we, we, so we were living like pretty secluded. We were living five minutes away from a town, but we had like a, a, you know, a four acre kind of like very private yep. place. And then when we moved out here, like I'm out, uh, for music stuff. And I was like, you know what? I, I really, want to be by the ocean so we have a place just by the kind of by the beach and um it's a bigger a bigger house but smaller property but i i kind of prefer that at this stage of my life you know we had yeah. we had like we had a rest and animal sanctuary back there so yeah, yeah, we, yeah. We, that's we, a lot of upkeep too so so much upkeep and 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 we had you know there was a you know it just made sense having all that property but out here to have that like acres of property, it was like, we have to be either further away from the ocean. And I decided that we wanted to be close to the beach. Did you, yeah. you uh, did you miss the hurricane that just came in? Okay. I'll tell you a cool story about this hurricane. So we did, we missed it. It was supposed to literally directly hit where I live. Okay. Oh. And I live by the ocean. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, and I'm new here. So I'm like, Holy shit, this is going to, fucking just destroy us. And I start talking to some of like my neighbors and stuff and people that have been locals here for many years, generational. And they weren't scared at all. And I'm like, okay. I was just like, but if it hits us, we're screwed. They're like, yeah, but it's not going to hit us. I'm like, how do you know? Yeah. And like, hey, let me tell you this. You're now that you're local, you're going to, you need to understand something. I'm like, okay. 
So they're just like in the last hundred years, there's been 30 hurricanes, like, you know, cat three, four or five that were supposed to hit us. And in the 11th hour, it always beelines. Um, and, and they're just like, but this is why. So I live on the Gulf of Mexico and it's a certain stretch of the Gulf that used to be the land of the Seminole Indians. Okay. And throughout all of that area, there's like ancient burial grounds and all kinds of like, uh, their dumping grounds. Uh, you can still find some of their clay pots and whatnot. You can find arrowheads and everything. And they're just like, there's this one spot that where they used to kind of like put all of their stuff back in the day and you can still find some of their things and you can go there anytime. And there will always be in this little area, 50 to like 80 wild peacocks, just strangely <laughs> Weird. And you don't see them anywhere else. They're just eerily around there. Yeah. So they're just like, this, this area from this stretch to this stretch is protected. And this like 40 minute or hour stretch of, of, of land or drive, they're just like, it just doesn't get hit. So, and they were like confident as hell. And it's funny because like in the 11th hour, it just went, just wow. yeah. So, I mean, I so want, if you had I lived to- an hour away, it would have hit you. Yeah. Oh yeah. And it, it decimated people in Naples. Like you just headed like an hour and a half South of us. And yeah. So yeah. And it just destroyed, destroyed, Man. destroyed Naples. Do you, do you have like a, like a storage unit or, or something you ever thought about? Like maybe I'll get something to store like your higher collectibles, like up North or something somewhere. Or I always think about that if I were to move. It's, it's a good thought. It is a good thought. Um, I don't know. I, I, I have to start thinking about it, but honestly, man, like it's as strange as this sounds like I, I don't care about stuff at all. Like if, and I, and, and this doesn't come from like, I, I don't value it because I value how much things obviously cost and, uh, the creation of things and, and being able to own things. But yeah. I, I, I'm not, I'm not attached to anything in that way. Like for me, it's always this: like, are my dogs safe? Are my kids safe? Is my wife safe? Am yeah. I healthy? If that's it, I'm cool with that. I'm cool with starting over if I have to. And I'm cool. If I were to lose this whole guitar collection, I wouldn't cry over it at all. And not because I can't get more guitars, because even if I couldn't get more guitars, it, 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 it just doesn't stuff doesn't own me like that. You know what I mean? So um, I guess for me, it's more just about like, you know, just is like, is, is everybody safe and healthy? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I hear you. I, I bring that up because last year we, we had a house fire and it took out all my studio stuff and equipment. And this year I've had to rebuild from scratch. But let me ask you, is, is, is it almost in a way like better than it was before potentially? It's way better now. Right. And that's what I'm getting at. It's just like, I, I, I went through that loss. I wasn't at fire as well. And we fucking, our shit got destroyed. Yeah. Uh, this was a couple of years ago, just before COVID, uh, our house. Okay. I didn't, I didn't know that. I didn't hear about that one. It did actually the farm that we had, that property got engulfed in flames and we had to start, we built a new house essentially on there. Wow. And, and, and at the very beginning of it, I was just like, this is fucking crazy, but I'll never forget. Like, you know, it happened and it was snowing as well. And I step outside, our house is on fire. And as our house was on fire, I was looking at the snow. Like it was, it was this beautiful snowfall. 
And I, and I was just like, the firemen were just like taking over our house. And I was just like, holy shit, it's a beautiful night out. And it made me realize in that moment, I'm like, once we rebuild this, it will be better. And if we survived and it will be okay. It's hard in that moment sometimes to like wrap your head around. I lost my stuff. I paid for this stuff. And like, what do I do now? But the universe always has a way of working it out. Whether it's just like somebody, you know, all of a sudden might come to your help or, or people coming together. I just, I put that out in the universe and then it usually happens. And I'm yeah. usually like, oh, yeah. I'm, this if turned you, out if better. If you think that way, it'll definitely help. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, I'm, and I'm sure like, it, it, you know, as shitty as that situation was for you, in a way, it probably turned itself around. I mean, that's what I like to believe because you can't stop bad things from happening. So it's just like, you kind of just got to make the best of what's left. It, it it does. You know, it's, I was surprised like when my fans started to go fund me for me, I didn't ask anybody to do that. And we raised enough to get the initial stuff of to start to rebuild because I'm a buy and seller. So what, yeah. what pissed me off personally is that I took, I don't know, four or five years of buying and selling equipment, you know, teaching lessons and all that kind of stuff to get the setup that I needed, that I, that I wanted that, I, you know, yeah. it's like, I don't want to have to go to a professional studio. I want to do everything here, but still yeah, not yeah. sacrifice a huge quality wave. And I felt like I got there before a literally no joke. Three days before I got the final guitar that I thought I was going to be done with the studio, everything, got everything three days before. And then I released my song Fire of Love five no days. Yeah, a couple days before that. And I was just, it was just so freaking weird. And, but now, seeing the equipment I had now or before. And then now I'm like, this stuff is so much better right? Than even before, but it's just, it's a lot of work. And you know, it's uh, for me, like, I'd hate to see all your, all your stuff. I'd rather have you have that money from, from the stuff, you know, if, if something ever bad happened, you know, it's, it's, no, it's, it's totally, you know, I, I get you as well, but you, you know what, man, it's like, I've realized this now too, because we've had like, we've been through a flood once and a house on fire and, it makes you actually does make you mentally stronger. Like you either yeah. break, you either break under that kind of pressure and be like, fuck it. My life sucks. I'm, I'm done with it. Or you're like, Oh, this is a test and I'm going to be up to the test and I'm going to become a better, stronger person when this is done, you know? And, and I think, I think if you can kind of like, again, like I'm not going to preach this because there's moments where I don't always think like this and I have to remind myself about it. But I notice when I go through periods where I, I, I follow that mantra, life is just better. You know, it's like, it's a difference between getting your car scratched and be like, now this ruined my month and my car getting <laughs> scratched. And it's like, it's yeah. a fucking car and I can get it fixed and it will happen. And yeah, it sucks. And I don't want to have to pay to do that now because I want to do something else. But it's, you know, at the end of the day, I've realized this now too. I, I you know, I had a, a mentor of mine who said, you know, like in your last minutes on this earth, you know, your deathbed, you have five minutes left to live. You're not going to care about your house catching on fire. The time you scratched your car, none of it matters. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's just, you just want to be here with the people that you love doing things you love to do. Right. Yeah. And, and then I, so now anytime something happens, I really try and put that image of me being like last moments on earth. Would this matter? No. Okay. So then it should matter now. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. It's uh, harder said than done, and I don't always do it, but the, the I, I like that lesson, and I try and live by that. Yeah, 
And anybody out there too, it, um, you know, you do teach guitar lessons and stuff. I've seen you teaching a lot. Yeah, you still doing do a lot more, of that too. I do more coaching in terms of like, I now what I like to do is I really like to just develop people who I see have that drive that I had when I was starting out. Um, because I, I found that like when I was getting started, and I'm, I'm sure you know this as well, is like there's no it was really hard to find somebody to tell me like who wanted like when I, I was like I would go to a guitar teacher, I would go to anybody and I'd be like, I want to be a rock star, and they'd be like, Fuck, I don't know how to do that. I don't know. <laughs> that that's that, that's any path isn't. at all. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you've got to know somebody I know and, the scales well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so now what I like to do is I like to teach people and develop people who are really trying to do something with it. Um, and, and not that I don't, lo- I love teaching everybody, but the, the people that I, I coach mainly are, have that kind of, um, you know, thinking where it's, I want to do this. What do I do? And then I gear uh, my direction towards them in, in, in the way of like how to do it on a scale of being a professional musician who's touring. Yes. It's a different thing. You can teach anybody how to play guitar or how to sing or how to write songs, but it's just like, there's a way to do things within the industry. And if you know that going ahead, you'll be a step ahead. I've got the person of uh, the perfect person to hook you up with, with uh, her name's Melissa Harding, which she was friends with <laughs> James Michaels from 6am. Nice. We interviewed her and, and James <laughs> on the show. We do a, uh, or she does a, a monthly um, singer safe place and it's exactly nice. what you just said of we kind of all the singers get together and it's for advice experience. You know, James yes. there like all the time. I think James Durbin or something mentioned about coming in one time, she said or something. I can't remember, nice. but I, th- I think you with, with, um, you know, with your history and all that, that would be something to explore. So I could, I could yeah. connect you guys via Instagram, social media. It's like I once told- a, once a month to pop in. I know she's been wanting to have another artist and let her know. I, I would I would love to do that because at this stage in my life now, I I, I see myself as more of like being in service to other people. Okay. Um, it, just because like I, I I you know I I look back now like like when you're experiencing success in what you do, it's sometimes hard to understand what it is or or how, like it becomes just your life right? You know, you're not thinking it as like, Oh my God, it's more just like, this is what I do. And now that I have kids and I look, I'm looking at all these next generation of people. I'm just like, I just want to help people. I want to help because to me, I now like having been in band with hit songs and having toured the world and all that kind of stuff and having done these cool things for me, I get excited watching people that I help do great things. Like that gets me way yeah. more excited than myself doing great things now, because, you know, I, 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 I'm like, I've had that opportunity. I'm blessed for it. And now it's just like, I get really excited watching other people do it. And I'm like, man, like I was able to help that person do this. Like I have a guy that I've been coaching that I actually met on tour with my darkest days and his name is riff. And he, he's a, he's, uh, like a, a really great cover artist and he's unique and funny dogs and he's a cool <laughs> and he's a cool uh just a really cool guy and i met him on tour with mdd and he was telling me you always wanted to do music i took him under my wing and this is like a decade ago almost and then i just saw him 
don't know, a couple months ago, like on tour yeah. and we acted yeah. while he was on tour here. And, and I was like, that's great because I've been mentoring him and helping him. And, and it, it's cool to just, I, I was, I was happy to see that. It made me happier than if I was doing it. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, it's always, it's always great to, to give back something. I, I never wanted to teach guitar at first and then I kind of gave into it and I'm glad I did now. Cause exactly what you said, you kind of want to, you, you get the, cause I don't know, like the excitement and the joy and the enjoyment of like, you were saying like, maybe like do doing another hit single and being that big, it wouldn't probably wouldn't be as, as rewarding as, as like you said, seeing your students and your friends and stuff succeed more than, than you do. You yes. Know. And, you know, right now, like I'm actually involved, like it's part of the reason, actually, it's part of the reason why I'm here in the States right now. So I'm involved in actually a pretty big musical project in America. I can't okay. really talk about it yet, but I will be soon. But, but it's funny because it's like you said, it's like, I'm doing it again, you know, at a high level, but I'm much more excited seeing other people do it that have yeah. never done it before because you know, I, I just, I know I never had that person that was able to say, Sal, like, I've been through this. Don't do A, B, C, D. Do, do A, B, C, D. Stay away from A, B, C, D. And, <laughs> yeah. you know, and, and talk to A, B, C. I never had that. And, and so now, like, you know, I'll take some of my people that I coach and I'll introduce them to people in the industry. And, you know, you just start to see things move for them. It's cool. That's awesome. Well, we're running out of time here, but we we can chat a few minutes after the air. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in here, audio wise. You make sure you go over to our YouTube's. It'll be on the Facebooks and everywhere else. This interview with Sal, this is awesome. I, there's actually a lot more stuff I want to talk about. So maybe maybe next year I can have you on. We'll we'll talk yeah. about some more some more cool things out there. So everybody, thanks for tuning in. We're Radio Wigwam, Palangi Studio of Rock. We're literally broadcasting from studio. That was the whole idea, <laughs> the whole program. And uh, we've been on the air for, I think, about five, six months now. And we appreciate it. Um, you guys tuning in. We've been kicking ass on Mixcloud, which is kind of a new thing to me because I'm I'm not really into the the podcast stuff, really. But I you call this a podcast, I guess. I call it an interview, everybody. <laughs> but thanks. Make sure you go check out the new vinyl edition and anything sales going on. You can uh, He's on Facebook and Instagram. Make sure you follow him. And... Uh, you know, just keep rocking, folks. Any last words, Sal? Throw it in there right now. Thank you very much for having me on the show. And uh, it was actually good because I haven't done this in a little while, like I said, and it was good to, to do it again. What's up, everybody? Thanks for tuning in to the podcast version here of Palangi Studio of Rock, only on Radio Wigwam. Catch the live shows every Tuesday night, 9 p.m. Eastern Time, 8 UK. Chime in on our social medias and make sure you see any of these video repeat podcasts on YouTube and go to frankplanty.com. Appreciate it. Hope you guys come back and I will see you soon.